Welcome to our show, Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the very often made-for-TV movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2004's A Cinderella Story. Once upon a time, in a land called Los Angeles, there was a girl named Sam. Order's up! Who lived with her wicked stepmother. There's something I've always wanted to tell you. You're not very pretty, and you're not very bright. So, Audrey, are you excited to watch this movie today? Yes. What are your initial impressions of the fact that we're watching this today? (laughs) You know, it's a rainy day. It's a good day to watch a movie. So that's nice. We're not like missing out on good weather. Right. And it's a a good Hillary Duff moment, you know? Yes. Let the rain fall down. I haven't seen. (laughs) I don't think I've seen this one in a few years. Me too. So. And we will circle back to that. But I'm very excited because I have a lot of childhood attachments to this movie, which we will also get into. But before we get into all of that, let's just start with the facts about A Cinderella Story. So this movie premiered on July 16th, 2004, and was directed by Mark Rosman. These were the things in his directing history that stood out to me. He directed The Perfect Man, which was... This other Hilary Duff movie that came out in 2005, which I somehow have no awareness of. Do you know about this movie? No. Okay. There's <laughs> the, the cover is like Hilary, her mom, and her younger sister, I think. Oh, the perfect man. Yes. Okay. I recently watched, I'm like really obsessed with like video essay, YouTube videos. Oh, yeah, and somebody too. had posted one about why Hilary Duff only plays herself in all her movies. And that's like the actual like tea of this whole thing. <laughs> but that's um, interesting. Yeah. Like I, you can it, never think of the her character names. You can only think of yeah. Hillary. What is like her, what was like the thesis of the video? The thesis, oh man, I'm trying to remember what the title was, but it was just, it's just, it kind of went through her filmography and called her out for various, um, like acting tropes that she, she does do the same thing in every movie. She does the same thing in every movie, which is why you can't distinguish her character from her. And, oh, I remember it was because it all circled back to Lizzie McGuire and how wholesome that had to be and how it was basically just her playing herself yes <laughs> in everything <laughs> definitely well we should link to that video yeah. in the notes so <laughs> we'll do that and, yeah and the perfect man was included in that got it and that's why i thought of it so not only did mark rosman direct the perfect man but he also directed like a whole season of lizzie mcguire or like a lot of episodes of lizzie mcguire so he was the uh hillary duff wrangler of choice it seems to be and he also directed life size Which, you know what that made me think about? Hmm. Why were all of these movies directed by men? Well, it's just the time, you know. It would have been um, really rare in 2004 for it to have been anybody else. I guess also, like, if these were kind of, at least for Disney or whoever was making them, like, corporate, we're going to turn this one out type movies, Mm -hmm. like, they would just go to their, like, old reliables to direct them. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's Mark Rosman. The screenplay was written by Lee Dunlap. And this is the thing that I (laughs) wanted to talk about. So she wrote a Cinderella story. She wrote another Cinderella story, the one with (laughs) Selena Gomez. She wrote a Cinderella story, Once Upon a Song. Didn't that was a straight video one with Lucy Hale in it? <laughs> yes, Pretty Little Liars. Yes, and then a Cinderella story, If the Shoe Fits, which was in 2019, I think. So like Lee she's Dunlap that is riding Cinderella story bitch. Yeah, she's riding this franchise <laughs> out. Like she found her niche and she's staying there. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about it too. So on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a 12% critic score. Absolutely not. Which is abysmal. And a 53% audience score, which was shocking to me. Also low. I was like, that seems really low. But I also feel like if you're the type of person who's like going on Rotten Tomatoes to make a review, I feel like you're more likely to be mad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that hurt me. always bitter in the IMDb reviews. (laughs) And Letterboxd. Oh, actually, Letterboxd is a little more forgiving because it's I feel like got it's some millennials. More, yeah, and it's also people that, like, care more about movies. Yeah. Like, that are giving more, like, nuanced reviews, yeah. probably. Or they just love it from childhood, so they're like, five stars, that's me. <laughs> that's what <laughs> right, I do. Right, 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 right. <laughs> okay, so the plot synopsis of this movie. Routinely exploited by her wicked stepmother, the downtrodden Samantha Montgomery is excited about the prospect of meeting her internet beau at the school's Halloween dance. That's a really bad logline. Is it even a logline? I don't think it is a logline. That's not even a plot synopsis either. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I thought that one was good. Yeah. Can you read the tagline? Can you read the tagline? (laughs) Once upon a time. Can happen anytime. <laughs> really horrible. This one's fun time. Dot, dot, dot. Can happen anytime. Yeah, I was like, they really couldn't think of anything better than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. It's so vague. It's so generic. The cast of this movie. We have Hilary Duff playing herself, a.k.a. Samantha Montgomery. Basically. We have Chad Michael Murray playing her love interest. We have none other than Jennifer Coolidge playing her stepmother. And Regina King, randomly, is playing her, like, boss at the diner, but, like, her fairy godmother. Fairy godmother, yeah. Um, but the best thing that I came across while looking stuff up for this was that Rupert Grint <laughs> originally was supposed to be in the Chad Michael Murray role, but then he had to drop out. But to me, that makes... Well, first of all, he had to drop out because of the Prisoner of Azkaban. You know what? It actually does kind of make more sense. Why? Well, maybe in the, maybe in a past rewrite or like before, you know, maybe before they casted Chad Michael Murray. Yeah. Because I could see a situation where they're kind of both. Um, like outcasts? Yeah, maybe they're both kind of outcasts, but they're like, maybe he's pretending to be someone else. Maybe they're both pretending to be someone else. That yeah. would maybe. What if he was pretending to be like the most I bet he popular? Was pretending to be Chad Michael Murray. Yeah. Wait, no. We'll have to see if that. That makes would sense. be. I bet um, that does explain it because yeah. you would never put Rupert Grint and Chad <laughs> Michael Murray in the same category. <laughs> Meanwhile, so apparently Hillary Duff was like fifteen and a half, sixteen when she was filming this, which she always seems older than that. So that's weird. Yeah. But I guess Rupert Grint would have been the same age. But even then, like, would he not have been English? Would he have had an American accent? Yeah, pro- I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure he would have had an American accent. I don't think I've ever heard him speak in an American <laughs> accent. No, and based off Emma Watson, he probably shouldn't. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but Daniel Radcliffe's is okay. In what? Like how to succeed and no. that kind of stuff. I don't remember. He sounded really like 90. It was like, hey. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to. 
supposed to sound in that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I really enjoyed imagining what that would have been like. We digress. <laughs> anyway, speaking of the fact that Rupert Grint was a deeply relevant star, um, this movie came out in the summer of 2004. So what was going on in 2004? I would say that Hilary Duff was probably like the most bankable starlet type for tweens in that year. I yeah. feel like that makes sense. Because um, Lindsay Lohan would be exiting that, basically exiting the tween yes. category. Right. Mean Girls and Confessions yeah. came out this year. So I think that I also kind of feel like Lindsay Lohan was like the PG-13 version of Hillary Duff. Yeah. Like she had a little bit more edge to her. At this time, yeah. by this time, yeah. Yeah. And she never had a show on Disney, so she had a no. little bit more freedom. Yeah. Anyway, so there's some other things going on. Napoleon Dynamite came out. <laughs> the big celebrities in the tabloids at the time, and this was, like, still very much in, like, the tabloid pre-social media era, were, like, Jude Law, Orlando Bloom, Jennifer Aniston. Beyonce got her first solo Grammy. Uh, J-Lo got married twice to Ben Affleck and then Mark Anthony. Friends ended. This Love by Maroon 5 was a big hit. Yes. Uh, Juicy Couture was in and Ashley Simpson got caught lip syncing. So in my mind, this era falls really heavily into this personal phase I had, which was that both my grandparents would give me like dozens of people magazines and I would make these really, really elaborate collages with like celebrity images like, I'd be one where I'm like, this is them all wearing red. Yeah. This is them all with their dogs. Like, <laughs> Honestly, I wish we still had those. I actually do still have some of them. Because they're kind of like, they really capture a time. Yeah. You know? No, there's um a sketchbook at mom and dad's house that still has them because I took a bunch of them out of the sketchbook they were in to use them in the set for the play that oh, I wrote right, right. because it's like very much about this kind of cultural thing. So mm. I've looked through them and they really do hold up. Yeah. Anyway, also you and I were in jazz class together in that era yeah. and we like exclusively danced a Maroon 5 in Green Day. <laughs> and we don't know why. <laughs> I really, know we why. had no choice in the matter, <laughs> but it's pretty of its time now. Yes. Well, that's fun. Yes. This movie came out for me the summer between third grade and fourth grade. So for Audrey, it was the summer between first and second grade. What do you remember about this movie from when we were kids? No clue when I first saw it. Um, probably not for a bit, I would think, until after it came out, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But the first thing that comes to mind is just Jennifer Coolidge in general. Yeah. Because everything she does is perfect. <laughs> and um, then I was thinking about the... A meme of like Hillary typing on her flip phone and people just like put in whatever they want, like on the phone screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and she's just like, LOL, yeah. <laughs> like that's like what she's saying. It's really something like that. The dress she wears, the white, you know, poofy uh -huh. dress is like life changing. Her entrance to the party. Yes. The mean girls outfits. Yes. The All of that yeah. is just like chef's kiss. Yes. And then um, I think what everybody thinks about with this movie is <laughs> the fact that this is a masquerade Halloween party. Dance. Dance. It's like a school dance. Yeah. And she wears the tiniest little mask over her eyes and Chad Michael Murray doesn't know who she is. <laughs> 
It's like, look at those bangs. Look at that little poof and curls she has going on. You yeah. know who that is. You cannot pretend <laughs> like that is Hillary Duff. Right. I totally agree with all those points. I feel like for some reason this movie, even though I haven't seen it in years and years, I can make such a direct line between this movie and so much of like the first creative projects I ever did. Like I have written down that a combination of this movie and Avril Lavigne's Let Go, (laughs) if you like put those two things (laughs) in a blender, it would give you like my first real like writing project I ever did. Like when I was in like fourth and fifth grade, I wrote this really intense series of like, it was basically a teen drama show that was like punk like skater punk kids in the suburbs being angsty. But then there was like beef with popular people. And I uh, really put a lot of like love and care into this series. And then when we moved uh, in 2007, (laughs) my dad put the stories on a floppy disk because we had to move my disconnected from the internet desktop computer and like ancient beige pc yeah it was so old but the keyboard made really good sounds and i'll never forget yeah but my dad lost the floppy disk and i don't know where the stories are and i can still remember the names of the characters and a lot of the plot points but my point is the world yeah lost to the world but i can attribute a lot of the inspo to this movie which makes me kind of scared to watch it because i feel like it's gonna make me like remember my like gross child brain Mm -hmm. but uh we'll find out this movie imprinted on my soul the way that uh (laughs) jacob imprinted on (laughs) on bella's child (laughs) (laughs) great (sighs) yeah vivid very vivid anyway i'm really excited to watch this i'm sure it'll be like a tight one hour 30 minutes and I really should just mention, though, that Regina King pulls through in this movie. In what way? Like, well, she's a fairy godmother, so obviously she pulls through. That's like (laughs) her plot. But I just feel like she's the sleeper hit (laughs) of this movie. (laughs) We will find out. I feel like she doesn't really have that much to do in this movie. Mm, No, but she does stand up to Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) (laughs) You need to be truly brave to stand up to Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway... So go ahead, pop yourself some popcorn, go find this movie in whatever illegal means you probably need to, (laughs) and we'll be right back. Hello everyone, my name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. We are back. We watched a Cinderella story. Woo! And that was really something. Yeah. 
Um, bumpy ride. <laughs> it was a bumpy ride, to say the least. It definitely uh, had some surprises in store, some uh, hills and valleys. <laughs> What's a negative surprise? <laughs> Disappointments. <laughs> Before we get too decisive with our overall judgments of the movie, uh, let's talk about, uh, Audrey, what were some of the parts that you appreciated? I completely forgot about the announcements girl. Um, we don't know her We're name. We're going to a real obscure party <laughs> thing. We don't first. know her name. Yes. Uh, literally, that's the thing that I was like most pleased about is just uh-huh. like that she existed. And she was in like probably six different scenes. Yeah, she was like a recurring character. Yeah, but she's, I was saying to Hannah, she's like the original E girl. Like, and this I, was the girl who just literally did the announcements, but she also was like the DJ, <laughs> the DJ. at the school dance and stuff. I appreciated the placement of Hillary's flip phone on her strappy heel at the dance. Yes, why? It makes sense because she loses her cell phone on the stairs as she's leaving, a la Cinderella fashion. So the phone had to be on the high heel. Yeah. Apparently. I feel like that <laughs> that is so representative of, like, the weird the reaches <laughs> that this movie makes to, like, make it be Cinderella-ish. Yeah. Because it's really not that Cinderella-ish. No. Mostly because... Just the setup, I guess, is. The setup is, and, like, I I don't know. It, it, I didn't like it, but... Um, uh, I have more. Please keep going. Um, the honestly well-integrated, I would say, shots of screens in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Some of their screen usage is better yeah, than what people are doing today. It's better than what they do now by far cuz I mean it, it is more analog looking mm-hmm. but the computer screens and the flip phone screens are like really nostalgic now but they're also just well done in general. I agree. We were watching and we were like, wow, this is the origin of the teen plot revolving around texting on screen. Yeah. And it was better. I mean, it was better than like the half of it, or like any of these movies that are yeah. coming out now. I would prefer to see the screen and hear a voiceover like they do in this movie than yes. have to read this like scrolling graphic on screen. Yeah, I agree. And and a lot of their t- <laughs> a lot of their talking, it wasn't even voiceover. It was literally Hillary Duff typing it and being like, you <laughs> next or whatever. She goes, L-O-L. Yeah. Laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, what else do you have on your and then list? Last thing, <laughs> the last thing that I appreciated, mm-hmm. obviously, is Jennifer Coolidge. Yes. Um, and everything she does in this movie. Everything she wears, everything she says, and everything she does. Yes. I will pick up on my appreciating the movie starting with Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. I kind of feel like in this movie, she feels like a character from a different cartoon. Yeah, but she's, she's on a different level. Which is like kind of what she's like all the time. Mm-hmm. But especially in this, especially because Hilary Duff has like the acting range of like a doorknob. Me like, in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. Like Audrey and I were sitting there and we were watching this scene where they're sitting in Hilary Duff's bedroom and it's Jennifer Coolidge sitting on the bed with her telling her she ain't getting into Princeton being hilarious <laughs> and Hilary's just like playing it totally straight. She's playing it so straight but like even worse than that because she's just like a brick wall and it's just dead silence and then she's like all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> so yeah, Jennifer Coolidge is like, want a, want a cookie? I can't do her voice. Yeah. Can you do her voice? You're gonna no, I don't think so. 
I'm, I'm not going to force you to, but I was curious. <laughs> I've never are really tried. good at it. I can't do it. I though. could probably try, but only <laughs> with like a legally blonde line. Right, right. I also appreciated Fiona. So Fiona is Jennifer Coolidge's character's name. Her house, she has this really ridiculous trim. There's like this weird motif with the cut with like salmon and salmon colored things, which is very of the now, very on yeah. trend. But she was amazing and hilarious. There's this whole chase scene in the car where she's she, just gotten her Botox she's just gotten done. Her Botox done. So she's making this like ridiculous face while driving, <laughs> which like doesn't even make sense that she'd be making that face. But because it's her, you're it's like the highlight. It's honestly the highlight. It's very funny. <laughs> it also it it's not believable at all that um, Sam Montgomery's dad would marry Fiona. It's not believable. I agree. Well, but in the flashback, she's not like this weird, like, 2000s bimbo yet. She's like, she has brown hair and glasses. Yeah, which also is like, what? Don't you know brown hair and glasses (laughs) equals good person? It means you're either ugly or a good person. That's it. (laughs) Except Hillary Duff's a good person and blonde. Yeah. But that's that's the exception. She's not like other girls. She's not like other girls, which is what this movie (laughs) revolves around. Yeah. 100%. So So explicitly... it there is so much in this movie that's insane that we have to get to parts that are worse now i believe that the how dated is it slash problematic elements column gets its own column yeah. and this is just parts that are worse now yeah everything <laughs> literally the whole thing was ass it was um, not good because yeah the the as kids, we were so, like, ready, willing, and able to cut Hillary Duff so much slack. <laughs> yeah, for, for some reason. Because we just accepted her into our homes on television and, like, we loved her, you know? Yeah. Um, but in movies, it just doesn't work the same way. Yeah, this movie doesn't really have a lot of, like, zany, like, I just fell in front of everyone in the cafeteria. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is Lizzie McGuire. Which is Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. And this movie <laughs> just requires a lot more, like, self-seriousness sort yeah. of which she does but like self pretty seriously yeah. minus jennifer coolidge right which is still such a weird casting choice like why was it her like i'm glad it yeah. was but like i mean i kept saying as we were watching like replace hillary with Lindsay lohan in this scene and i'm not even necessarily saying that she's the right person for it but it would be elevated so much her, the delivery would at least have some meaning to yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like she would really escalate it to, like, a Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen level, yeah. though. Like, I don't really know how good she is at playing non-hyperdramatic characters. Because even in Freaky Friday, her whole thing is that she's, like, ha- like that she has no perspective. Well, Mean Girls, she's she's not really oh, like yeah, that. I guess you're right. Yeah. If you picture a Mean Girls Lindsay not, Lohan in, in this. Yeah, I guess that's true. She could pull it off. She we know that. She could pull it off, but it wouldn't be like her most memorable work. No, but I was really feeling like the Mean Girl Shelby is a stand-in Megan Fox. And yes. Yeah. That's a good point. And also, it's funny you say that because Shelby in this movie, who's the Mean Girl, is the Mean Girl in Freaky Friday also. Yeah. And they, I'm sure they were up for all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. But this girl sh- who plays Shelby, she just doesn't have that doesn't same seem energy. As mean. No, she doesn't seem as mean. She seems more insecure. Yeah, Megan Fox is just like she's too like pretty, ironclad, <laughs> hot, and confident. Yeah, this girl's not so much like that. Okay, what else about things that are worse now? All the physical gags, pretty much. I don't 
enjoy. Actually, I don't think I've ever been a physical gag person. What do you mean by physical gag? Like the stepsisters going into the car wash. Oh, yeah, And every time someone falls or when the water splashes on Sam's like slapstick. Yeah, slapstick. Yeah. I've just I've never really been like that Except into slapstick. There's but. some good Jennifer Coolidge slapstick. Yeah, she's the only one who pulls it off. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is just like, wah wah. Right, I agree. I feel like the entire plot surrounding Chad Michael Murray's character is too overdone. I don't know. Overdone's not even the word. I don't know. So what what are you referring to when you say the plot surrounding him? So I realized that High School Musical is a movie that came after this one, but it's a Troy Bolton plot, but with less, believe it or not, (laughs) less legitimate problems than Troy Bolton. Yes. Like his his problem in this movie is that his dad wants him to go to USC and that he wants a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who's yeah. Hillary Duff? <laughs> yeah, it actually doesn't make any sense. Because he ends up going to USC. No, they go to Princeton. No, they both go to Never Princeton. Mind. It doesn't make sense because playing football <laughs> in high school and going to Princeton have nothing to do with each other. It's like, that's fine. Also, it's an Ivy. Yes. <laughs> like, and what? they're also, like, you can't be smart. <laughs> it, I feel like the only reason why it's Princeton in this movie is because the word Prince is in it. Correct. That like, is the only reason. That is the only link to a Cinderella story other than the fact that she works for her stepmother and her dad is dead. Well, there's other links. There's others, but it's not, it's like. It's the most on the nose connection though. Yeah. Like really beating you over the head with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a whole little section about Chad Michael Murray later on. Yeah. I have one more thing. Okay. That's worse. It's basically the Shelby Sam I always, what's the, what's Chad's character's name? Austin. Austin, yeah. Shelby, Sam, Austin plot. It's like poorly written Regina George, Katie Heron, Aaron Samuels. Yes, I agree. Just terribly written version. I totally agree. And that actually, yeah. so this feeds into where my things that are worse starts off. Uh-huh. So you realize that. You're supposed to like Austin for some reason. You're like supposed to <laughs> you're think supposed to really buy. That you're supposed he's to a good buy guy. into him. You're, you're supposed to think he's like a good guy, but like <laughs> he is such an <laughs> asshole. He's cheating on his girlfriend virtually with, <laughs> with words <laughs> with Hillary Duff, emotionally cheating on her yeah. for God knows how long, and then he publicly dumps his girlfriend <laughs> at the diner with her whole friend group there because she was like. Anything you can say to me, you can say in front of my peeps. <laughs> so, so he's like, okay, I'm breaking up with you. Yeah, and then when he talks about the reasons the reasons why he wants to break up with her are disgusting, which we will get to later. But the main Ooh. thing that bothers me in the plot construction is that when you think of this movie, you think that, like, the dance happens, like, two-thirds of the way through, probably, it's like the 30-minute mark. It's like the 30-minute mark. But the thing that makes that even more insane is that before you think – I remember this movie as, like, you are in the trenches of this internet relationship <laughs> yeah, for, like, a while. But it's you, like five minutes. <laughs> you get one three-minute montage of them being, like, I'm typing poetry into AOL <laughs> Instant Messenger. And then the whole rest of the movie – 
they're either trying yeah. to find each other or they're not even talking because she loses her phone at the dance, so they don't even text. I could have been way more into it if they spent time, like, solidifying why they like each other via yeah, there's no, the internet. They ne- Yeah, I totally agree. And they never talk about, like, Sam has her weird <laughs> best friend who seems yeah. to get her. She totally. has all of her work friends, like— why does she need Austin? Why does she need Austin? Why does she need this guy to talk to who's literally it's, just a rando? How did they find each other in the first place? The, they found each other in the Princeton chat room. Oh, right. And he's like a a link to her dad because what? her dad is the one who Oh my God, says, you're right. Yeah, her dad is the one who's like, go where the princes go, to Princeton. Also, follow your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, then dies in an earthquake. And then dies in an earthquake. <laughs> and Moments then, afterwards. So, yeah, so Princeton is her connection to her dad. So, so the, what you mean, what daddy you mean issues. is she has daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> got it, got it, got it, got it. That, that makes sense. <laughs> um, okay, there's a couple more things on my bad list. Again, with the writing, the drought plot line is most... Ha- most is the most. <laughs> the drought plot line is the most half-assed thing I've ever seen. They bring up the drought in the first three minutes, and then they bring it up one more time. In the time. final monologue. Well, in the final monologue, it comes up, and when Hillary Duff goes <laughs> to the locker room and calls out Chad Michael Murray, she's like, waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought. Useless and disappointing. Right. Also, I just realized the end of this movie is supposed to resolve the drought issue because it rains. Oh, you just got that? <laughs> yeah. Their love ends the drought. Their love. Their, not even their love. Their public making out. Wait, ends that the should drought. have been the tagline. Love ends the drought. Love drought by Beyonce. <laughs> <Love> drought. <laughs> that should have been the movie tagline instead of Alexa. once upon a time can happen anytime. <laughs> this shit makes no sense. <laughs> it should be like... Something with Princeton and instant rhyming oh. and messenger. Something. Princeton message. Princeton messenger. <laughs> that should have been one of their usernames. Princeton. 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 <laughs> Princeton messenger. <laughs> We're going to sell that to Princeton. They're... Uh, they're off-brand communication platform, Princeton yeah. Messenger. <laughs> okay. Um, the very, very, very bizarre plot device where for some reason they stage like a devised theater piece <laughs> exposing. <laughs> I'm like, is this like a pep rally? They're like at a pep rally. And then the mean girl is like, all right, here's my skit about my boyfriend cheating on me. And then she like... It's just like Princess and the Frog. It's oh, I didn't, I didn't even put that together. Yeah. And they have this two stepsisters acting out Sam and Austin, which is also very weird. Like, why are you making the one stepsister do like drag? <laughs> yeah, I had that thought too. I was like, this is kind of weird. Also, they're siblings. Like, can we just... Yeah, right. I didn't even think <laughs> of that. Weird. That's very, uh, very... We have a skit with limited casting yeah, options. Like, we relate, but we we, we don't relate. approve. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, really, really hated the line at the end where when Hillary Duff and Chad are making out and her friend no. goes, you gotta love high school. <laughs> 
I was like, like, this is the worst thing ever. I don't ever. think you do, actually. Because <laughs> that's not what it's like, literally at all. The two stepsisters are just not... I, I feel like there's no reason why they couldn't have been popular. Why do we need them as a vehicle between... Hillary Duff and her right. instant messaging, like they, the Why stepsisters have, have to go to the popular girls to like convince them, yeah, to embarrass her. Yeah, it seems like it would have made so much more sense to if the stepsisters were like were these two the like group. hot popular girls, yeah. but instead they're like these actual freaks. Yeah, they're like, like <laughs> legit, but they're rich freaks. They're so rich it's freaks, really like, weird just because they're Jennifer Coolidge's daughters. <laughs> Um, they had to be weird, but I, they totally didn't have to be weird. Oh, I forgot to mention that there's a very, very heavily gay-coded uh, synchronized oh. swimming coach in the beginning. Yeah. And I was like, Jennifer Coolidge, gay-coded swim coach. Th- this is this the scene is, I want to be in. Yeah, that was like the moment and everything after and that. Downhill. Was that was literally the first scene of the movie. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Now we are entering the dangerous territory. The dangerous territory of how dated slash problematic is this movie? A lot. I, th- <laughs> I think that there are movies that are have aged worse. Oh yeah, but for sure. In this genre, it's probably one of the worst ones. Okay, yeah. I'm saying that. <laughs> no, a Cinderella story is the most <laughs> problematic movie of all time. That's what I'm saying. Um, but like. <laughs> okay, so cancel Cinderella story. <laughs> cancel it. Really, what I would say is there's three subcategories of, of let's rethink. This. Of let's rethink this, and they are fatphobia, uh, racism, and the and mic- homophobia. There's no real homophobia in it. I would say there was a moment where during the um, teenage girls lineup for Chad Michael Murray's approval. <laughs> I don't think. But I don't know I don't what think, that was. Okay, okay. I don't think that gets its own that category. Like we low voice discrimination. <laughs> one girl who like, it's supposed to be in a scene that's like the maidens lining up to try on the glass slipper. Yeah. And oh, the first right. woman in line, girl in line, is just like this kind of, just like this like, Soft butch, like <laughs> but she's teen, like, amazing. Like her outfit was so yeah, good. Yeah, she's like a soft butch teen. <laughs> so and then weird. she talked, and she was like, "Sup, Chad?" Or uh, "Sup, Austin. sup, Austin?" And he was like, "No." And she was like, she "Later." Was like, <laughs> <laughs> like no one cared. Like I wouldn't say there was. Uh, wait, there was homophobia. There I was forgot. Homophobia. And there was the other part where uh, Hillary Duff and Chad Michael Murray there. are texting. They're they're instant messaging, and he doesn't really know who she is, and he's like. <laughs> Are you a dude? Because if so, I'll kick your butt. <laughs> <laughs> and we Which were like, so weird. It was weird. He could have just said, I, you know, if we had to go there, he could have just said, like, I hope you're not a guy. <laughs> LOL. Yeah, right. And she would have been like, I'm not. Yeah. And then the best part is that cuts to her and she's like walking down the street with her hair like blowing in the wind. And she's like, <laughs> I'm not a guy. <laughs> like, why? It was, it was rough. But anyway, so <laughs> I did not anticipate making a fourth category for homophobia, but there we are. Um, there's fatphobia, the racism, and there's a lot of misogyny in it too. Oh, yes. And the thing oh, is like, <laughs> yeah. the fatphobia and the misogyny kind of feed into each other. Mm-hmm. But, um, there is something about like <laughs> early 2000s pop culture where there was so much body anxiety. Yeah. 
You know, it's because of those low-rise jeans. <laughs> it's all because of the low-rise jeans. It literally is. Well, I think it's that, and I think it's also because, like, I remember for me, I didn't know what anorexia was until Mary-Kate Olsen had it. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was Mary-Kate. And I think that, like, her getting that and it being so public, be, it became, like, this hot-button, yeah. like, cultural issue. Eating disorders. And also the, just the women that were popular at the time were really, really thin. Yes. It was, like, the look. Paris Hilton. Right. You know, all that. Brittany. Brittany, yeah. Yeah. And they all had, like, literally almost inverted stomachs. <laughs> like, right. it was just right. a lot. Exactly. So I'm just going to read off the offenses of fat phobia real fast. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. There's eight. <laughs> oh, my so, God. Uh, the first one, well, this is just a comment about Austin in general, the Chad Michael Murray character. He's, like, mad at fat people, but also mad at skinny people. Like, he'll yeah. talk shit about his ex-girlfriend for, like, being really body conscious, but then we'll, like, when, like, a fat girl walked up in the line. Reject, uh, like, brutally rejected. Yeah, and of course her name was, like, Helga. Helga. I was like, are you kidding? Like, you're trying to make this, like. It was so lazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like naming someone Olga. Or, like. Yeah, it was like a Miss Trunchbull type move. Yeah, it was I weird. Was like, what the heck? It's like, hello. So, okay. There's the line, laxatives don't count as a food group, which is said in the diner scene. Do you, you look Shelby? confused. No, someone says it to Shelby. Oh. Oh. Oh, it's yeah. probably one of her friends, right? No, it was one of the boys. The boys are like monsters. <gasps> the boys are in this like movie. next level They're terrible. Horrible. They're horrible. They're like we sexually harass you as a joke. Yeah, type. and they terrible. do. Like they, they do, try, which is on yeah. my list here. When they're in the diner, there's a fat man sitting at the counter of the diner, and he's eating a bunch of food, and he's talking to the server, and he's like, oh, can I have a Diet Coke? I'm trying to watch my weight. And the server's like, well, it's not going anywhere. And I'm like, what? I don't even remember that. It happened. I wrote down so all that. so random. I know. Just a random extra? Yeah. What? The guy who walks out at the end with the fries and he goes, send me oh. a bill. It was that guy. And I was like, we're really oh. having fat people punchlines? Like, this is sad. Oh. A lot of my different offenses are being condensed into uh, one point. Yeah. But there was a part where, first of all, Chad Michael Murray is, like, obsessed with this, like, skinniness thing in this movie. Like, when he's walking around with Hillary at the dance, he's like, what would you rather eat? A rice cake or a Big Mac? And she's like, a Big Mac. Zah. He's obsessed with girls' appetites. Yeah, it's like creepy. He's like, Ugh. I prefer a girl with a hearty appetite. It's like, okay, but you don't. You want a super skinny girl with a hearty appetite who never talks about the fact that she's skinny. Cool. Correct. It's it's just, it's too easy. This whole thing is just far too easy. Yeah, it's it's painful. That being said, one of the stepsisters, I would say, is like maybe like a size 12 between the two. The taller one? The shorter one. Oh, yeah. And the whole time I was waiting for there to be a fat phobic joke about her, and there never was. And I was yeah, actually really was. pleased by that. I was like surprised. They made enough of a fool out of her in this movie. That's true. <laughs> they really put those girls through it. And they're they're supposed to be twins. They don't look <laughs> like, like twins literally at all. That that's that's for the spin-off story. Yeah. They're not actually twins, <laughs> uncovering the truth. Final two categories here. Uh there was a lot of racism directed at Regina, Regina King, King in this movie. It's just like flying stereotypes. Yeah, it's really it's not like discrimination really yeah. necessarily it's just like, like jennifer coolidge calls her betty crocker from the hood oh. in their first scene together there's a part where she wants to fight jennifer coolidge and she like she takes, takes her, her earrings, earrings out. out like it's just stuff like that that's like really not cute yeah 
also there's and, yeah just not reflective of her character right because she's just like a normal woman yeah there's also this very weird thread of like early 2000s like white boys talking like rappers mm-hmm. and that's just weird like and they have um what's his face doing that whatever his name is carter carter yeah yeah but he does it in the beginning as like a bit kind of which yeah. I don't know if that makes it better because he said he's studying method acting <laughs> yeah but the, the who I'm thinking of is like one of Chad Michael Murray's cronies who talks like that all the time yeah. um that was weird which was weird speaking of Chad Michael Murray's cronies these are my last things my I god to say. <laughs> there is like this very very creepy moment when they're at the dance where one of the friends is trying to get with Shelby Shelby and he basically just starts, like, forcing himself on her. Yeah. I feel like that fucked me up as a kid. Yeah. Like, I feel like that, I was like, is that, like, normal? Is that a thing? Because you don't even think about that. Um, yeah. And it was really. also, like, in the middle of a dance. Yeah. And then Zorro, a.k.a. Carter, say, the the fact of the matter is him even saving her, saving with, um. Air quotes. Air quotes. Yes. Would not make her attracted to him, and that's a fact. Yeah, right. Like, he saves her, and then she, like, wants to make out with him in public instead of the other it's, guy. Yeah, like, I just... It just was rough. And then rejects him when he tries to tell her that it was him. It was not good. Yes. Not also, good. when uh, Austin is telling his friends why he likes this one girl so much, he says... She cares more about what's in her brain than what's on her plate or What's something. on her, than clothes. or it, I think it was like what's on her body or something like that. I think it was about clothes. Or something. And then he was like, and she listens to me. It's <laughs> like, what? Like, what do you even have to say? Oh, you want someone to listen to you <laughs> talk about like girls' diets. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Someone for you to like preach the... Um, <laughs> the downfalls of diet culture, yeah, too. Right. Like, clearly you're really red. And like, I, th- I think that all kind of, probably the idea of all that came from just the fact that they're in the valley. It's supposed to be, like, valley girl type I guess, thing, but they don't. But it doesn't work. They don't talk about it enough no. for it to be, like, fleshed out that way. Also, the entire time, this is kind of not misogyny related, but the entire time Hillary Duff is like... Uh, Austin's <laughs> gonna hate me and it's like yeah. you have no personality traits why would he we hate were you? like laughing through the whole thing because <laughs> she's just like I, I, I can't tell him like she's like I can't let him know who I am but like listen there's no reason there's no reason like it's not like he's gonna find out your dad died in an earthquake and then not like you <laughs> he'll probably be like he'll probably be like oh you need oh, me good thing yeah like, I can influence you more now exactly yeah like, why do you think that my last thing is that, of course, this turns into a no dad, it's your dream <laughs> thing. He's in the middle of playing, the, like, the championship game or something. He sees Hillary leaving in the stands. He's like, I got to go get her because I care about going to Princeton. <laughs> we got to eat some hamburgers. You know, we have to eat hamburgers and go to Princeton together. <laughs> so he's like, his dad stops him on the sidelines Son, what are you doing? This is your dream. No, Dad, it's your dream. Drops the mic, goes, gets her. The drought ends, period. Horrible. And then one of the best lines in the movie at the very end, I didn't know about my dead husband's hidden will yeah, from oh, Jennifer Coolidge. But, like, she's so campy that it works. Yeah. But, like, in the overall plot, it's like, this makes no sense. And, like, you just have to, like, take the stylistic difference of her 
as a gift. As camp. Yeah. Literally her being in this movie is camp. (laughs) It's true. But it's so weird because there's no context for it. Like, everyone else is just acting normal. Yeah. (laughs) She's acting super weird. I think we could end this on one line that I found particularly bewildering. (laughs) Okay. Austin asks, do you believe in love at first sight? (laughs) Sam says, I'll let you know. (laughs) Which means no. no. (laughs) They're slow dancing. And they've already had sight of each other for a while. And he asks that. They literally know each other. (laughs) And that just... That, that carries through the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, this, I agree. <laughs> I agree. This movie's a disaster. The dress is still good, though. And the soundtrack had some good moves. It, it um, made some points in the mediocre white man rock category. Yeah. Like if you're sitting at the dentist, like these are the songs. <laughs> like, I'll be very that. Yeah, Nickelback-esque. <laughs> yeah, Nickelback-esque, but like a little less bad. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of love those songs. Yeah. So if you made it through this uh, very detailed diatribe against <laughs> a Cinderella story, you may qualify for a veteran's discount. Yeah. I would love to know if you actually rewatched this yeah. movie. Um, Jennifer Coolidge <laughs> is iconic in it, but the rest is trash. Yep. Yep. Bye. (laughs) So was the movie good? No. In my book. It will live on in our hearts. It will. And probably yours too if you're listening to this. That's also true. (laughs) So we'll see you next time we're watching one of these movies. I have a feeling the next one, well, we know what the next one's going to be. A heavy hitter. It's a heavy hitter, and it is good. We might get emotional like we did with Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yeah, like I brought, I literally brought makeup wipes <laughs> in my bag because I'm wearing eyeliner, and I know it's it's going to get messed up. Yeah. So uh, get ready for that, and we will be back in your ears <laughs> very soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye. find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall. We'll chat again soon. Bye. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher? 
or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.